From Breaking Bad to Calling Saul, agents led by Son of Call. Oh, Game of Thrones, who's the next to die? House of Cards is full of lies. Supergirl just flew on by. We're chillin', watching Netflix. How much time's gone by? We're talking TV. From suits to supernatural. Talking TV. Blacklist and the Rebels. Sherlock's Big Bang with Orphan Black. True Detective bombed at second crack. The Walking Dead. Arrow and the Flash. Get into Geek. We're talking some TV here. My name is Mitch. Joining me, Captain Marvel, Matty Gibson. Oh, I'm excited. We are talking Marvels. That's why you're here. It does help if we're doing that rather than the other side of superhero TV. <laughs> but this one in particular, Matty, um, I know you're excited about it. You have been for months and months and months because it hasn't been on TV here while it's been screening over there in the States for so long. We have finally received, thank you, Foxtel, thank you, Fox 8, gifted the live-action X-Men set series here in Australia. It's on episode one. We're here, mate. I have been frothing over this for so long. Yeah. Just the trailers looked so good. Uh, and then when I heard that Brian Singer was going to be directing the first episode. And I'd forgotten about that too. I read about that ah. like like a year ago that he was going to do it. So it was so good that, well, yeah. one, that it happened a year ago and everything that's happened to and about him since, yeah, well, I've, I'd forgotten about. So. I mean, if it was pre-apocalypse, I'd be a lot more excited. Yeah. <laughs> but when after Apocalypse came out, I'm like, oh, okay, this could go either way. Yeah, All right, yeah. okay. But the, like, the characters they've chosen, I think, are, are great in that they're not too high profile, but they're high profile enough. Yep. And yeah, so I was um I was really excited to see where um where this would go. And Maddie, it's good to have you here because you do like the X Men and I mean no no well, funny like, business when I say this. a bit light. Okay, so you love the <laughs> X Men and I, I mean nothing I mean nothing offensive when I say this, but mm. you oh, no, that's not fair. I was gonna say you you don't get as excited when there is you don't necessarily love all that they've done, but you do do like a lot of their stuff. It's just, I know you've been let down a lot too. So yeah. when you get excited about something like this, that gets me excited because I know how cautious you go into X-Men related yeah. content. I think short of, you know, little you know, cells and stuff in, in the Sunday paper, X-Men was the first comic I ever read. Wow. I yeah. got, even got into like the weird, they did this weird one where it was like, remember the Muppet Babies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did an X-Men version of that yeah, where right. it's like the X-Men were all like little toddlers. <laughs> I was even reading that. Yeah. Like to this day, and we've talked about how much I love, you know, like the Batman cartoon and all those other, when we're talking DC, I don't think I've ever actually read like an actual Batman comic. Yeah, For right. me, Batman has always been TV shows and movies and cartoons and, and those sort of things. I never got into the comics. Whereas... X-Men, I think I was introduced by the cartoon and then it was just completely immersive. Mm. I got into all the different TV shows, like the cartoons, the comics, the movies, all that sort of stuff. So they, I definitely hold them to a to a very high standard because I was introduced to such a high standard when I was young. So yeah, for me, and we've spoken about this before, for me, my my uh, continuity for the movie franchise, which, <laughs> is, which has been hit or miss, for me, it's uh, X-Men 1, 2, and 3. And Days of Future Past. Mm. That's it. That's yep. all you need. Now, <laughs> before anyone switches off... And Deadpool, I, as a oh, side. Well, Deadpool's its, its not, own little thing. Yeah, yeah. It's on its but it's definitely there. part of the good ones. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, I know, I know I did mention X3 there, which, you know, I probably shouldn't have. But for me, you have to suffer through X3 
to enjoy it being undone in Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Yeah. So for me, the Wolverine solo movies, bleh. well, for, um, and, oh, first class and Apocalypse. Bleh. Yeah. You know, forget those. Forget Part them. of, I guess, you, you could you could also apply that in a way to X Men Origins Wolverine because that really is undone by the events of Days of Future Past. Like when mm. I sat there at the end of that movie and you realize how the time has changed and how events are now occurring, and I'm like, wow, so. X-Men Origins Wolverine in story now has the same effect of what it does to the viewer. We pretend like it just never happened, which is fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I look at this and I don't recognize uh, any particular name, any, really? any characters. The powers don't stand out to me, but I'm not as deeply invested in the whole X-Men universe as what you are, especially the comics. I didn't realize that that was the first comic and that you, yeah. you had um, you had spent so much time Mate, with them. X-Men but... babies. Like, that's how deep <laughs> I was in it. <laughs> it's like next level. It's like level <laughs> seven. For me, like if I don't know like the mains, probably 10, I guess, X-Men characters, characters i just go okay cool that's that's just new content to me but right. um not that i'm just a wolverine fan and and one and done or anything but this uh, i guess the first question and, and i guess other people that may have watched this not necessarily knowing what it was are these characters that we know from source material and if not were you excited about that anyway this that it was set within the world of the x-men yes all right well let me break it down for you there are some characters that you have seen before in the movie universe mm. The first is Blink. So remember Blink from Days of Future Past in the in the apocalyptic yeah. future. She the she threw the darts up. with the teleportation. Yeah, that's the runaway we meet at the very very start. Mm-hmm. So this is a young Blink. Uh, now of the team that come to save her, being um, Eclipse, Polaris, and Thunderbird. Thunderbird, who's one of my favorites, he's actually the older brother of Warpath from Days of Future yeah, Past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I think it, was it you or was it Lincoln at one point thought that Blink and Warpath were actually brother and sister. Someone, uh, I, think, I, I will say Link because I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, and I was like, but one's Asian and one's Native American, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and I think he was like, he was like, but, but fair enough. Warpath did have you know the shoe polish over his eyes and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But yeah, so um, the the Thunderbird that we're meeting now is actually Warpath's older brother. Right. So to me, that's a really great tie into Days of Future Past because I I love that film. Like even just mentioning that film, I get goosebumps. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, Eclipse is brand new. He's a brand new character that's been created for the TV series. He's the one with the uh, the light powers mm. from his from his hands. I think that's great because when you're breaking down your powers, you do need someone with some kind of energy projection. He's the Cyclops, mm-hmm. you know. He's got that those blasts that he can do. So I think that's great. Um, then you've got Polaris. Now Polaris is actually Magneto's other child. Wow. Okay. So God, he's got some kids. Oh yeah, man. He got around. He the only person who got around more than him is Mystique. She um, really. I think in some iterations, Sabretooth is actually Mystique's son. Jesus. As as well as Nightcrawler, um, as well as someone else, I think as well. Like she, but she's old, so she's she's been around. Yeah, she, yeah, she's been yeah. Around for hundred years. So oh she's, yeah, she Nightcrawler's her child to uh, uh, Azazel. Azazel, yeah. And yeah. then in in X two, it was just like, well, they're they're kind of into each other because they're both blue. And that was one of the reasons I was really disappointed in Apocalypse is because they had the opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. They set it up in first class with having Azazel there, yep. and then they just ignored it. And mm. I was just like, come on, guys. But yeah, so obviously. Magneto had the twins with uh, uh, the Maximoff twins. Mm-hmm. Polaris is um, a daughter by a different wife. Uh, and she basically, yeah, she has the same powers as him. 
in a lot of iterations, and there's an I keep telling you to watch it, but you, you <laughs> never get around to it. There's an amazing cartoon from I think 2011, 2012 called Wolverine and the X Men. Yeah, and it incorporates Days of Future Past storylines and a few other bits and pieces, as well as Magneto and Geonosia, which is what they should have done in Apocalypse as well. But well, that's a whole another that's, <laughs> that's a whole another podcast on Apocalypse. Um, but basically, um, he's living in Genosha, which is this island. It's um, apartheid. You know, he's it's a safe haven for mutants to to go to, and he runs it as as the leader. And he's got his he's got uh, Scarlet Witch there, and he's got Polaris, and Polaris is kind of like his his favorite child because right. he sees so much of himself in her, given that they share the same powers. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he'll let Quicksilver and, and Scarlet Witch sort of you know go and do their own thing. He's very protective of Polaris and is, you know, very guarded. He wants to keep her innocent and yeah. pure and hide her from the horrors of the world. So, yeah, I was really excited that, A, we were going to get Polaris, mm. and then, B, we've got such a different take on her. It actually reminds me of uh, another X-Men cartoon from the 2000s, X-Men Evolution, where you see uh, Scarlet Witch, and the way they've done her there, she's kind of like this punk goth rebel kind of thing. So it's almost like they've taken that element of Scarlet Witch and combined it with Polaris to yeah, give us yeah, this amazing yeah. uh, Polaris in this uh, TV, in Gifted. Uh, the funniest part is, and I know on the channel I do get a lot of crap for uh, for me talking about Gilmore Girls, but uh, the actress who plays uh, Polaris, Emma DeMont, I want to say, um, she was actually in uh, Bunheads, which was the other show created by the same woman who created... Uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, right. And she was a ballerina in that. Yeah, it was right. Just, so it's, it's so weird. She was this prima, prima donna ballerina kind of thing, and now she's just this grungy, black hair, goth, you know, yeah. rebel. I love it. What I love most about the way that this started was, and I guess what I love most about the movies, is that because you've got all these characters which has with such vastly different powers, is watching them work together. Yeah. Like seamlessly, you know, you had this and... You know, you had the guy to show up. We've got the energy projection, you know, and then Polaris is doing her thing. And uh, what was the uh, Thunderbird? Like, you know, they're yeah. all they're all just doing their own thing. And then obviously they run into um, Blink and, you know, she helps them. But just before that, and then even throughout the episode, like, well, come the end, obviously, everyone just, it's like they all know their place. You know, it's like they could throw something without looking, knowing this, that someone's going to catch it. And, and, and. I, lo I love what, I, especially this. I love I love movies like that. You know, where it's something like an Ocean's Eleven, where you've got so many different characters with the ability to do so many different things, and a plan or, or an operation goes seamlessly, and then you apply superpowers to that, and how mm -hmm. they know the ins and out of, of of each other. It was a real kick-ass way to open up this um, yeah. well, this it's, show. It's something mutants as as a whole has has done really really well in the past. You know, fifty years they've been around in yeah. that. What makes them different makes them the same. Mm. Yes, they're all different, have different powers, but they all have the one goal. And that's something they've really uh, tugged on here with the with the whole Underground Railroad, sort of, you know, this resistance yeah. group, you know, smuggling mutants and, and all that sort of stuff. I really love. And then, yeah, the way they, they all just sort of work together. What I thought was really clever is the way they were able to visualize Thunderbird's powers. Yeah. Because I think that's really, really hard to do. They didn't they didn't even do as good a job of it in Days of Future Past. It yeah, was just yeah, like yeah. I think Kitty Pride just says, Oh yeah, Warpath sort of scouts them, scouts the next area and we know what's going on. And one point you see Warpath go, Oh, they're coming and instead mm. they do that weird sort of real huge sort of push into the distance. But I love the way they were able to amplify that's all his senses are amplified. He's a tracker, he's got the strength, all that sort of stuff. 
I love the way they were able to visualize that by just that cool little sort of zoom in effect on his ear yeah. and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was really, really clever. Yeah. I like too when we got introduced to the family, you got Laurie and Andy, the brother and sister, and how it's it's almost like a bit of a political discussion, well, it very much is, I guess, when the, uh, the, the, the sister and brother are sitting there eating breakfast and Andy's like, you know, being uh, racist, I guess, to a point, uh, speciesist to mutants, you know, and he's saying all the things. Is he calling them muties or something? Something, yeah. You know, and his sister's standing up going, oh, God, you're such an insensitive prick. You know, she's standing up for them. Obviously, at the end, we come to find out that she's known she's a mutant for years um, and that he is sort of, you know, using schoolyard talk to describe them and, and, you know, being very judgmental and whatnot. So I like that. In a, as a way of sort of setting it up and then obviously come the end where it, like he's already going through this emotional strain and then he's got to adapt to being something that he's always maybe not hated it's just sort of been part of the crowd um, mm. to uh, you know to, to, to be negative at but I, I liked being introduced to those two and I think for a show that is about um, you know adolescent teen characters you need to like them straight away because that sort of character because it is written by grown men and grown women I find it really irritating when grown-ups try to write dialogue for teenagers. Yeah. Like we've all been teenagers, we've all been kids, but we don't know how those generations are talking now. You know, once we grow up past that stage of our lives, people in that stage of their life aren't acting and talking the same way as what we were. So it's very easy to fall out of touch. I, I like that it was very simple the way that these characters yeah. introduced their mum, you know, their dad seemingly a really nice guy. Then obviously he goes to the jail where Polaris is and he's talking and seemingly he's this very evil man, you know, because he's locking up a mutant. I actually really like that about this episode was that he he's not necessarily uh, come the end of the episode, this really evil guy that's went good just because of his kids. And he wasn't just an evil guy that stayed evil, you know, uh, you know, looking past the fact that they were his children. He was sort of in the middle. Like he would, that was his, that was his gig. You know, he was having, he was the guy that was having to deal with these mutants. And yes, he was erring on the side of the humans and, 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 you know, treating mutants as a second class sort of race within society. But, I liked that it, he wasn't. I guess I liked. I liked that he was more of a fence sitter, and so he only needed that slight nudge mm. that it was affecting his family. For him, yeah, he was just doing his job. Yeah, every day he was just going to work, doing his job because he thought he was keeping his family safe. Yep. protecting them from the mutants. Um, he's obviously you know he's drunk the Kool Aid, mm. and he but he's never really thought about it. Yeah, and this is something that I talk to my parents about all the time. They're very much they'll just react to something in the in the way that they've been taught when they were younger. Yeah, Whereas yeah. our generation, I think, was taught much more to be more free thinking and question things. I mean, that yeah. was that was the whole reason, that, you know, after Generation X, there was the Y generation. Mm. Yes, it comes after X, but it's also because we were taught to ask why. Yeah. You know, and it's not often I, you know, align myself with Generation Y, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, uh, he was able to kind of see things from the other side and, and especially when he, when he found out that the way that the mutant registration just sort of came to their house and kind of pushed their way in when he wasn't there, he kind of, he got, oh, so this is what, this is how the other half are experiencing it. Yeah. And it really kind of opened his eyes. Yeah. And while we've always loved X-Men as being, you know, this sort of metaphor for a particular group a particular minority within the world you know and i know that obviously brian singer um a lot of people said oh well that's 
quote unquote, it's like a um, a metaphor for the way that you know um, the gay community is treated or whatnot, you know, and yeah. and and that oh, I've I've heard a lot of uh, gay people talk about X Men as a, as a way of escaping when they were younger because they weren't sure of who they were or they were sure, but society wouldn't accept them. Or at least they thought that. So they're reading about these characters who were also persecuted for who they were born to be, mm. and then but it's it's what makes. What's different about them is actually what makes them amazing. Yeah, absolutely, know? yeah. And then with this, there was just a couple of lines that made it really real and very political in our world as well, where they were talking about, you know, persecuting the mutants. Like, no, 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 we're not persecuting them all. We're just persecuting the bad ones. Yeah. And I'm like, man, and you I mean, can apply that to, like, different races around the world and the way that we, yeah. you know, in, in, like, war times or conflict times and stuff. Oh, we're not judging an entire race. We're just judging the bad ones. It's like, oh. really? Are you, though? I, th- I think the bad ones are the face of who you're judging. Yeah. But you're really judging them as, as a whole. How many seven-year-olds have you heard say, if, if there's any mention of, you know, post 9-11, you know, anything happening in the Middle East, I'll just blow them all up. Just blow them all up, you know? Mm. And it's just like, well, no, there's, you've got to, you can't just apply one rule to everybody. No, God no. You know? So it's it's the same thing here. It's just, but it's not banging it over the head. It's yeah. not like DC is doing when they kind of just, <laughs> just hit you over the head with it. Yeah. Just, they're all about the single entendre, yeah, you know? Yeah, They'll yeah. just, you know, whereas it's, if you, if you slow feed it like this yeah. and present it in, in a more neutral way. Because either I understand, you know, the humans in this wanting to protect us because there are some bad mutants Absolutely, out there, yeah. and they're just trying to protect their own families about it. But it's like I was just saying, you can't apply that to every mutant out there. Yeah, you know. So I like the way they kind of just present it to you as a neutral point of view, and you they just say, look, here's the information. You make up your decision. You know, I just find that kind of writing really speaks to me. I yeah. find it really, really enlightening and really clever. And unfortunately, this is almost the personification or X-Men in a way, the way that some stories have been delivered to us on the big screen. It's the personification of that. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Like we see mm. these really bad mutants with amazing powers and the only people that can stop them are good mutants <laughs> with the powers. <laughs> like real world, guns and guns, I don't necessarily believe that at all, but mutants, it's like, hell yeah, Wolverine's the only one that hell can stop yeah. Magne- Magneto. So uh, so just on the, uh, well, I guess was the Strucker family. Did you, yeah, you put that well, together? I Obviously, I hear Strucker. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, no, go. I will, I will say no with with a reservation to correct myself when you give me the right answer. <laughs> well, obviously in the MCU, one of the bad guys there was Baron Von, Baron Von Strucker. Von Strucker. Okay, good. That was what I was going to say. That's the only reason I know the name Strucker. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not 100% on this yet, but I think it's going to be some kind of allusion to that. Right, okay. So I don't know if maybe the father... I don't know a lot of their names yet. I haven't sort of... Aside from their code names yeah. of the mutants... Um, I don't know if maybe um, the father's gonna go go dark side yeah. and he will be Strucker, like yeah. Von Strucker, or maybe the their descendants of Von Strucker mm. or um, cousins or who knows yeah. what they are. It is a very, I'm sure there's a lot of Struckers out there, but it does seem like a very unique name to use as a coincidence like uh, well, these guys who are based in the marvel world yeah we're going to give them the name strucker oh there's also within the marvel world a very key character mm. well and then i can't remember their relation to von strucker the you know the baron uh from you know uh marvel but there are the von strucker twins now there are twins that when they combine their powers are like almost like Phoenix level 
um, powerful. They're called, oh, wow. And they call themselves as Fenris, which is also the name of uh, the uh, Hela's Wolf. Oh, from, so um, I know it from somewhere, from the, but it's obviously from the from MCU that. as well. So, um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if they pursue that or not. Because uh, I think Strucker is a very that's a that's a prominent sort of name to use mm. in uh, in in this TV show. So it'll be interesting to see. Like I don't know, maybe maybe the father is he's got a twin sister, or it, it could be the kid. I don't know. Yeah. But they've just laid that little that little crumb. <laughs> they're not the Von Struckers; they're the Struckers. Yeah. So, but this is technically kind of set maybe a little bit in the future, depending yeah. how you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they could be the, the next generation and that's, and that's what I love it. And, and as a side note, this is something that we've, we've spoken about in the past, you know, with the MCU, people talking about how, you know, post, uh, infinity of like Avengers four, you know, people say, oh, let's reboot it. Let's just mm. start, start from the scratch again, recast a new actor as, uh, Tony Stark, recast yeah. a new actor. Which I don't, and I I'm don't like, no, 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 no. There's the whole next generation to get to, yeah. you know? Um, and to me, this, and uh, what I've spoken to Ben about it during your DC chats is forget about Superman and Batman and Green Arrow and all these because Go watch Young Justice. Yeah. It's a, it's all about the sidekicks and the next generation looking up to these characters as gods. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what really excited me about Gifted is it's, they're not trying, it's not like suddenly Storm's going to rock up next week. Mm. You know, it's, it's all about this next generation. The X-Men have disappeared. The Brotherhood have disappeared. And we're we're expanding on these sort of tertiary characters and bringing them to the forefront, mm. which is really exciting for me because it could go anywhere. Mm. We've got Eclipse, who is a complete unknown. I I don't know what they're going to do with his character because they've created him for the show. Then they've sort of dropped this little nugget of oh, Strucker. Okay, so this could be there's a whole family there. Who knows? It might not even be the father. It could turn out to be Amy Acker, the mother. Like yeah, she could yeah, be. Yeah. You know, well, I guess if you're married into him, she wouldn't be a strucker, but... Um, but still, it could be their way, like their their version of it, you know. It, yeah. It's an Elseworlds, really. I mean, all these shows are Elseworlds based on the comics. So, you know, however you get into, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's one thing that I hate about fandom is that, you know, you might get a movie watcher who will then go and read the comics. Go, this is shit, it's different than the movie. Or someone who reads a comic and then go, they watch the movie. Like, you go watch Infinity War and they go, that wasn't the Infinity Gauntlet story from the from the comics. It's like, why do they, they don't... They don't have to. It's like the it's a movie adaptation of a similar idea. Yeah. So yeah, to 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 do that with this show, yeah, it's like it'll be what the point basically. What's the point of of just copying something and big screening it? Like yeah. that'd be fun if you have really deeply invested yourself. Yeah. But if then you're we, trying to we, get a bigger then we audience, end up sitting through things like the Killing Joke. Well, when they yeah, did that well, animated they, film. Yeah, but like, even that, like they did try to expand on that and they did a very bad job at it because sex and the killing joke. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I actually never read the killing joke. Now we are getting away a bit from, you know, Marvel's gifted to talk about DC's, the killing joke <laughs> animated, but I never read that graphic novel. I'd always heard great things. And then when they started mm. doing an animated movie, I thought, okay, well I'll, I'll go and watch the animated movie. Cause I'm sure it's just an adaptation of the comic. And then even not having read it, I watched that first half an hour going, this doesn't seem right. No. It doesn't seem... Well, it's a short comic. Yeah. So it's, they... It would have only been like a half an hour rather than the 70 minutes or whatever that it was. Yeah. I'm sure that if you start watching it from the moment where the comic starts, it would probably be an okay watch, but... Visually, it's very it's very true to yeah. what the comic looks like, mm. but it kind of just... Because it's that sort of frame-for-frame frame recreation... It kind of took out the the excitement. Yeah. Whereas getting back to gifted, it's 
It's so different. Yeah. I know these characters and I know this universe, but I, I don't know where it's going. I can't predict it. And that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting for me. And I guess yeah, putting it in a bit of an Elseworlds or a bit of a, a different box is the main question that I guess, well, any fan really, but especially a casual fan might have about it, is that you uh, you watch the Marvel TV shows. Whether, whether you know it or not, I guess most people are so aware of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that there's a Marvel TV show and you go, oh, is it connected to the movies? A big fan will go, yeah, it is. That's all you need to know. Whether or not you see Iron Man in Daredevil or not, you know it's still all in the same universe. Um, DC movies and TV are separate, but all the TV shows, except for Gotham, are connected, subtly or not. So if they're going to make a new TV show, the question would be, oh, is it connected to The Flash? Is it connected to Arrow or whatever? With this, the question is, is it connected to the X-Men movie franchise? And they very clearly state in this, I think even twice in different ways, we don't even know whether the X-Men or the Brotherhood are still alive, Yeah. whether they're still around, or we haven't seen them long ago. I think they made two references. So it's like it's based in a world where the X-Men and the Brotherhood were a thing. People were aware of them, especially the mutant community. But does that make it part of this expansive X-Men cinematic universe akin to the Marvel one? I would say at this point, only having seen one episode, no, it's not. But also, it doesn't really matter. But you could look at the Marvel TV shows the same way, is that it's like they exist where the films exist, but the films exist in a world where the TV shows don't, you know? Well, and even vice versa is you look at um, Luke Cage, for example, that first season, they talked about, you know, all the fighting. At no point did they ever reference Hulk and Abomination tearing up Harlem Five, five, six years ago. Yeah. Yet the, the what do you call the climax of the Hulk film was them tearing apart Harlem. Yeah, which they you do know? refer to the incident being Avengers, but it's like even within the MCU, and you'd be very happy with it, they kind of forget that the Incredible Hulk is part of their continuity. Yeah. Oh, I um, would too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that it matters. Certainly not at this stage. Like I'm already interested enough in these characters having only met them once. I don't, I don't need you know, Professor X to roll in in three episodes and be like, hey, no. I've, I've got a team you might want to talk to. You know, I don't that's, need that. Like, like like I was saying before with the DC, that's like gods rolling in. You know, yeah. if Cyclops walks around the corner, suddenly there's no peril hmm. because he's going to get shit done. Yeah. You know? And I guess just on the Marvel, t- Marvel TV stuff, it does kind of work with that. The Netflix shows is that they don't have a Hulk, they don't have Iron Man, what can Daredevil do? Oh, I'm blind, but I've got these extra senses. I'm, I'm a one-man army. I will do what I can. You know, he doesn't need mm. to sit there and hope that a much more powerful, you know, person or group can come and help stop this, you know, explosion that's going to go off in the middle of New York. He knows about it. He's the only one that can do anything about it. So I like this. Yeah, they they also, they can look up to these people, respect these people that were around years ago, mm. but they've got to deal with their lives now. They, they're not, they don't have anyone that can come and save them. Yeah. I mean, right, 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 right in the back of my head, there's this bit where it's like, okay, it's somewhere between like X3 and Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because that's no, my storyline. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and it's like maybe towards, if the series, if they've got like a five-year plan for it, maybe like season four, Thunderbirds killed and and they find Warpath and and you know, um, uh, Blink takes Warpath under a wing yeah. in the same way Warpath might do to Blink if they get her to join the Resistance. You know, so there's there's enough of that there 
that I'm just like, I'm in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's not Warpath and Blink from Days of Future Past, but it's Blink and Warpath's older brother. I'm like, I mean. Yeah. And then a live action Polaris, I mean. Um, like I said, the Struckers are a, are a wild card for me. Yeah. When I first read the synopsis about it, like I love Amy Acker because she's she's a Joss girl. You know, she was in uh, his, his shows uh, Angel, yep. was the first show she was in. Uh, and then he got her again in Dollhouse as well. She's an amazing actress. Um. I thought her and her and the husband, when I read the synopsis, they were going to get in the way. Mm. I was like, oh, why do I just want parents going, no, you can't do this. But I actually find myself kind of, kind of liking them. Mm. Like they're kind of, I'm like, okay, they're not as much of a, just a roadblock as I thought they would be. For mm. so many young characters in here, sometimes the, the quote unquote adults are written as like the stick in the muds and the, and the, no, you can't do that sort of thing. But I kind of find them like I, I maybe cause I'm getting older. I don't know, but I yeah. kind of. I can relate to them. I can yeah. go, okay, they just want to protect their kids. I get that. But they're not they're not too much of an obstruction yet. Yeah, well I think what I like about it to to prove that is that uh they're not useless. You know, when when the which group the, the Sentinel what do they call themselves? The uh, Sentinel Services. Sentinel Services, which is cool. Such a cool name. Yeah. Um, when they show up and As long as you don't have a lisp, that's a really yeah. cool <laughs> the mother gets in their way and says, You can't come in. These are my kids. You know, she tries to stop them that was from a getting great in the house. Scene. And they just you know, to the floor, they smack her down. Like it's not like she just said, Oh no, no, no. And then the mutant children show up to save her. And then, mm. you know, dad shows up and, and he's like, Oh, let's drive away. Like he's the one making making uh decisions, you know, taking charge of the situation because he knows what these SS blokes are like, right? So he knows what they have to do to try and get away from them. It's not just left up to these kids who have extraordinary abilities to then help the parents and then they would be a roadblock they would be an anchor but so far they're doing their part but we very much know that this story is set around you know well it's because of the kids it's because of the kids having their mutant mm. powers and they're going to be you know the the, the 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 open window into this larger world whatever this show is going to be um as it goes on one great tease into episode two when they were talking about uh polaris or lorna um, lorna, lorna, lorna dane is that she? She is... actually uh, dated uh, Iceman in, uh, in really? the cartoons and the comics. Yeah, Jeez, they're all they're all so interweaved. I guess Ooh, there's yeah. well, so many characters. It's probably not as incestuous as what I'm <laughs> suggesting. She's pregnant. She's in jail. Yeah. She is the she is pregnant to a child that has two mutant parents. Uh, I don't know what that means, mm. but it's interesting, and I really want to find out. So, and, and again, any every iteration of Lorna I've ever seen, never had a kid. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. I'm just getting on board. Like, oh yes, live action Lorna. This is going to be really interesting to see. Do we? Does she know who her father is? Yeah. Is you know, because she, for all intents and purposes, is a good guy. Whereas yeah. Magneto is kind of that, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad, just out for himself kind of character. Um, does she know? Is she going to go bad side? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so while I'm thinking about all these things about the possibilities of what they're going to do with Lorna. Suddenly she's got a kid and I'm like, what would a, a Lorna kid even be? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Now, but, uh, just one more thing before we um, before we wrap things up. The, the, the siblings, do they have the same powers? No. Because um, like from him, I took from him as that he's basically telekinetic. Like, uh, well, in, in yes a way, like a... No, I always took, looked at it as almost like Carrie, but I yeah. suppose she was in a way telekinetic. To me, it's almost like a like an unseen explosion. Mm. Like I guess you could say it's telekinesis, but 
It's at very least is how he's un- used it uncontrolled. At the yeah, yeah. There is, um, and there's a character that I really, really, really would love to see maybe as part of the underground in, later in the season. It's one of my favorite sort of, you know, side mutant characters. Uh, his name's Julian and his codename is Hellion. Mm, mm. Now he is the, the like even including Jean Grey, he is the most powerful telekinetic in the entire X-Men universe. Uh, he doesn't have telepathy like Gene does, mm. you know, that, but he he is just raw power. Like, he, he has this awesome, like, green aura, like yeah. his eyes and his hands glow green. But basically, he would have trouble picking up a paperclip and p- moving it across the table. That would be harder for him than picking up a car and tossing it down the street. Yeah, right. He's got this just brute force kind of power. So that's kind of where I feel like like Andy is sitting. He yeah. just has this explosive, uncontrollable, just destructive power. Mm. And then almost feel like uh, Laura, I hate that they've done a Laura and a Lorna. That annoys me. <laughs> um, Laura, I feel like is almost, what does she say something about? She can bind molecules together. So I almost feel like he, yeah. he can blow. It actually takes me back to um, a great... T- Air quotes, great TV show, Charmed. Uh, Holly Marie Combs' character, um, for the first three seasons, she could freeze time. Yeah, she right. Time. And then when they kicked out um, Shannon Doherty for being a bitch, uh, <laughs> and they like, oh, there goes the active power. Yeah. Suddenly she could speed up time, which instead of just speeding up time, meant she could blow things up. Yeah, right. Because that, that was how they... So I kind of feel like that's where they're going with the twins, is you've got one who has this really explosive power... Uh, and one who has this kind of condensing power and the way yeah, she can okay. sort of bind molecules together to create those little kind of shields and... Yeah, really kind cool of visuals like water mo- too. Water molecules. It did, yeah. It yeah. was a really cool visual. Yeah, I liked it. But um, Andy's rage blackout in the at the school dance, yeah. perfection. Yeah, it's cool. I like got goosebumpy and welled up when I was watching that. It was just so... like, And that's, to me, that's Brian Singer. Yeah. Like that's... Uh, like draining all the all the sound out of it because yeah. that kid wailing could have been like if he didn't have that really guttural kind of scream it could have detracted from it mm. so he's taken that out and you kind of just put sort of put your own emotions onto that scene yeah that was perfect was and just absolutely the, perfect the the confronting nature of the scene itself like he sees these bullies and he's like you're not gonna do this and they go yeah yeah you're right we're gonna do it somewhere else and they rip him into a private room you're like man this he's a little kid he's getting bullied these yeah. kids and I, I I hate I hate characters like that like i want to jump into the screen and just i i I hate bully characters like that because they might be one-dimensional in a way but that's what you need in those situations and they're like they they Mm. turn on the cold water and they turn on the hot water so he's getting boiled and this really chilled water at the same time he's emotionally reacting to like physically what's happening to him but also the mental strain of it and Mm. yeah so it was really well earned payoff uh, with his mutant power just sort of exploding out of him, but yeah. I also well, thought the like scene his... itself before that was done really well. Like I, it, the they both complemented each other basically. Like it wasn't like they just went in and pushed him up against the wall and he exploded with no. power. Like that sort of reaction was deserved from the trauma that he went through. Like I, I yeah. sat there and it was almost it was almost uncomfortable. Well, it was it was uncomfortable to watch? Yeah, because it was it was like this power he unleashed was. It was a physical representation of his anger. Mm. And it's that's one of the things that, that's been a constant through any X-Men iteration is their their powers are tied to their emotions. Yeah, right. You know, sometimes anger is the is the activator. Sometimes panic is the activator. You know. Yeah. 
there's all these different, it's, it's always an emotional connection. There's, there's some great stuff in the cartoons with, um, Storm, for example, who always has to remain calm mm. because if she loses control, her powers can mm. destroy an entire continent. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, there's one where a, a bad guy kind of, cause she's claustrophobic basically sort of confines her under all these rocks and she has this panic attack and just unleashes. Yeah. You know, so I, I love that that there's always there's always an emotional connection to the power. And this to me was just done was done so amazing. And just the way he took he took power back from the bullies. Because mm. I think anyone who's ever been bullied can r- relate to that mm. is taking your power back. And it's not like he was even actively targeting the bullies. It was just what they were doing to him just tapped into this. It was almost like his way of hulking out. It tapped mm. into this rage in him. It didn't matter if the bullies were in the room or his mum was in the room. Was, whoever was in range was going to get hurt yeah. because it was just, it wasn't about him getting revenge mm. and hurting these people. It was just him letting his emotions out after trying to, you know, we've all been there. If you've been bullied, you know, it's your parents. Oh, just ignore them. You know, they'll got... So it was just all this pent up aggression from trying to, you know, not let it get to him. And he just reaches that boiling point and it just literally exploded. Mm. And I just, I could relate to that so much, you know, from when I was bullied at school. I just, I thought that was absolute perfection. No, really well done. And and good because it was a pilot episode. So you need to be hooked in a really great way to end the episode as well. A, a great set piece. And, you know, you've got the Sentinel services. They've got their, their, their robot, their droid little devices, things going after them that seem really deadly as well. So great tease. Really looking forward to episode two next week. Um, I'm just glad Maddie, that we've got some new X-Men content and yes. that you like it. That's very <laughs> important to me because I, I, I've, I've, I've always hated, you know, people that get really passionate about a particular source material and then the adaptations let those people down. You know, I don't like that because I like mm. a lot of source material as well. And I'm all too forgiving with a lot of the adaptations a lot of the time. So, uh, someone who is a bit more of a realist like you, the fact that you like it is a really good yeah, indicator I'm, for me. I'm not going to, I'm not the kind of who's going to like something just because you slap one of my favorite franchises. Yeah. On. Yeah, absolutely. Hello discovery. Um, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to jump on board something just because it's something familiar. So yeah. it's, it's got to earn its, you know, it's, it's love. And to me, that's what this, this show is doing. Mm. Um, I'm glad Brian Singer was on board. Cause I think that, that definitely helped set the tone. Yeah. When they first walked into that bar, that was like the, the sun coming through there yeah. and stuff. That was movie quality. It was, it was very cinematic. Um, yeah. And I do want to touch, before we go, I do want to touch on a couple of little Easter eggs and stuff like that that you may not have seen yeah. that I think, you know, the hardcore fans are really going to love. Uh, Eclipse's ringtone on his phone. Oh, yes. No. That was the X-Men. Definitely, yeah. X-Men tone, yeah. Tex's bar, like when they go to that bar, you've got Tex obviously with the big X, yep. like the T and the E were, were yeah, flashing. Yeah, yeah. Yet, so it was the X's bar. Yeah. And then you walk inside and it's the animals playing Oh Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Oh and like no, that's, definitely missed that. Yeah. That's right on there. <laughs> and then of course the weird Stanley without a mustache is weird. Yeah, that I was like, <laughs> I'm not okay with that. Put the do it like do a reverse um, Justice League. Yeah. Put the mustache back. <laughs> Put the mustache back. Um, but my favorite one was that uh, the the Strucker kids go to Bellevue High. Mm. That is a real U.S. high school in Washington, whose mascot is a Wolverine. Ah, oh, nice. I'm like, oh, wow. just a little deep. Because I'm like, why are they holding on that school sign for yeah. so long? And then I'm like, 
Uh, I looked it up and I was like, boom, that That's is a it. nice touch. Yeah. Nice touch indeed. Two levels deep. Yeah. Nice work. Well, we'll be back uh, next week to talk about Gifted Episode 2, the follow-up in the meantime. I'm excited. I'm excited too, man. I'm down. I'm down. I'm always willing to give a pilot the go, but I, I was watching, I think within five minutes, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in already. Like This yeah. is the tone of the show. It's a bit of a fugitive type. It's This is good. It's a chase. And the fun thing is I'm gonna. it's going to be interesting to see how they go as as like because I'm hoping this goes for at least you know three or four seasons or something mm. like that. Every episode title has the letter X in it. Oh right! So I'm really interested to see how much the how far they've gone <laughs> stretch the further go, they go on. So this one was exposed, yeah, and it's actually written like with a lowercase e and then a capital X is oh, the nice. way it's, it's yeah. So. I'll be interested to see how that goes as the seasons progress. See if they can keep it up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, movie and other TV shows. We also, without Maddie, because he can't stand it, we do talk the uh, DC oh, TV universe, shit. at least the... Still uh, going on with At that. least the related ones. We're not talking Gotham or anything like that. Uh, we've just got the uh, the Arrowverse, as it may be, with uh, think, Ben, uh, Terry, and myself. Terry's so husband and I might start our own anti-DC podcast. Yeah. Well, hey, man, he still loves watching it. He, he begs to watch it. She just Terry can't watch the next episode until we've recorded our podcast so maybe it's a group thing maybe it's like ben you've either got to be super drunk or, or with <laughs> terry the, gets pretty drunk too actually yeah, so well, I was yeah. Gonna say, with terry and jason maybe it's a group thing like i live on my own so i if i sit there and watch it i've got no one to huff and puff at <laughs> you know so <laughs> that's why it builds up and then you come in at the end of the season you unleash on us <laughs> otherwise you can uh, catch us on the socials guys uh facebook twitter and instagram just uh search get into geek uh myself mitch underscore lewis on twitter and instagram if you want to come and talk to us about any of this gear we love chatting about it maddie where are you uh at high pitch maddie on twitter and instagram and uh, also under the get into geek umbrella our sideshow maddie and i are a part of it with uh, brendan and sideshow maddie i like that <laughs> <laughs> he is get into gates we uh a bit of a nostalgic sort of show, but also introducing a new viewer to it, Stargate SG-1, the wonderful Stargate franchise. If you're a fan of old school sci-fi from the 90s and it was because of Stargate, come and join us. If you're not, it's called Get Into Gate because you should get into Gate and we'll let you know exactly why. So uh, search on uh, the podcasting apps, all the socials, all the same, Get Into Gate. We'll see you back next week to talk more Gifted. Get into geek.com